Yeah, and just about as dense. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome in to this, the 217th edition of Fusebox, stylistically entitled Color Bars. And uh, we'll get into all that in a bit, I promise. But I am your repealing the laws of physics because they haven't really been very nice to me. Host, Mark Rose, and over there... A Technicolor personality, if there ever was one. Yes, the Pope of the Parametric, Milt Keynes, everybody. Hey, thank you kindly. So, uh, what's the deal today? Are we uh, doing kind of a Valentine's Day thing? Uh, I see a lot of spoken mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yep, in a way, uh, yes. We've got some uh, tender stuff to share today, along with some, uh, just idiotic stuff coming from... The moment you told me the title of this show... Yeah, I'm afraid we just can't ignore some of the weirdness happening down there, but uh, as I say, as I say, we'll uh, deal with that in a bit. But uh, we have selected some uh, spoken word treatments, um, a couple of old favorites, just for good measure, to uh, give us a little balance in this program. Well, balance is good. Yes, sir, it is. Oh, and by the way... Uh, Thanks to everybody who chimed in regarding the two pieces we featured on our last show, penned by Poet Laureate Kim Stafford. Uh, I really did enjoy working with Kim's material and uh, hope we can do a few more from him in the future. And uh, check that last episode out if you have not heard it. Number 216, POV Chic, uh, was its title. Yeah, speaking of balance... How about that, uh, don't be that chick bit? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, one of our old faves, uh, as I was referring to at the top of the show there. You know, I, I was reminded of this bit from uh, Don't Be That Guy, That Chick. Uh, we produced a, a couple of years back. Uh, I was reminded at the uh, live recording we did a few weeks ago. Oh, man, almost five years ago, bro. What? Yeah. May of 2018, to be exact. Holy carp. We produced this bit nearly five years ago? Yeah. Wow. Well, time does fly when you're having fun. Well, it feels to me like time is not just flying. It's evidently cranked the hyperdrive up to 11. Wow. Well, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a delightfully insightful commentary on what uh, <laughs> couples deal with constantly. Dinner choices. Brilliant bit there, penned by our own Jeff Pollard, and that will be coming up as well. But, starting us off right here and right now, in our belated uh, quasi-Valentine's Day tribute, we have a wonderfully appropriate piece, written by Mr. Pollard and voiced by Sarah Robertson, with musical underscore here by Derek Welch. This one is called The Promise I Would. Would that I could, I would Soothe, comfort, and protect you Forever Always 
to celebrate each day. Virginal possibilities, warmly white, pristine, pure, walking beside me, hand in mine. I, your helper, your friend, your life. Breathe serene, still, contented, fulfilled, desirous, accepted, stronger by our sharing. Would that I could, I would, lift you higher than dreams fly in sleepy slumber. Past, present, and future are one, as are we, living this moment in time. Turbulent seas calmed by truths held and fortunes told. Would that I could, I would, tend for you a life lush, sprawling blue-green, vast, ripe and without falsity, free from what held us previous, no tie binds uninvited, unwelcome. We are the light, glorious, Become with me memories shared anew. Time defines and, in time, heals. Time marches and time wields, sometimes cruel blows. We, drawing from a well deep and endless, prevail united. We are victorious, empowered. Would that I could, would I, live a thousand lives with you. I would. Darn wonderful way to kick things off. A piece written by Jeff Pollard and voiced by Sarah Robertson and the underscore musical flavorings there by Derek Welch. Um, you say Pollard wrote that. Uh, uh, yes, sir, he did. Well, let me ask you. Have you checked hell to see if it's getting chilly down there? <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, Mr. Keynes, that uh, Jeff is quite the romantic when you get to talking with him. Well, I know he digs rom-coms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me, let, I'm going to tell you something, though. Uh, we knew a gal who had the opinion that uh, the only films that Jeff actually liked were the dark, broody, uh, very dramatic and intense and kind of dark with a little broody and intense on the side. Well, who doesn't? Well, true. But you know what? I was over at his place once, and uh, in that collection of films he has there was Pixar's Wall-E. Yeah, the animated story about this little lonely robot. It's a very heartwarming, wonderfully produced movie, and it's uh, right there uh, next to uh, The Road or Things We Lost in the Fire, you know. Point is, don't judge a book by its cover. Gonna be disappointed, maybe. Yeah, look at you. Now, they think the opposite of you, and up there in that uh, media library of yours is a curse of the attack of the deadly brain eaters from Uranus. Part three only, Mr. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of comestibles, when we return... Another classic from the Don't Be That Guy, That Chick archives. And we know you're going to love it. I told you that you were completely in my power, didn't I? TheFuseBoxShow.com 
We are back, bro. Fabulous. So, uh, friends, keeping in the vein of Valentine's Day, sort of, kind of, we have this delicious bit from the archives that bears repeating. Maybe just put it on a loop. <laughs> Would be cruel and unusual punishment for some, I suspect, but be that as it can't, here is a wonderfully accurate snapshot of one of the many, uh, challenges sometimes encountered in relationships. Uh, follow along, won't you? Don't be that chick. So, where should we eat? I don't care. Any place is fine. Um, well, are you hungry for anything in particular? Nope. Anything sounds good to me. Whatever you feel like. Okay. How about tacos? Huh? Uh, no, not tacos. I had tacos for lunch last week. Last week? <clears throat> well, then you pick a place. I really don't care where we eat. You decide. How about burgers? You feel like burgers? You do know I'm vegan, right? You are? Okay, then maybe you should just pick the place. I really don't care where we eat. You decide. What about that new seafood place? I hear it this- Ew, seafood? You know that's meat, right? Right, meat, gotcha, okay. Oh, I know, how about pancakes? Ugh, breakfast, for dinner? Well, then you pick. I don't care where we eat, seriously. Any place is fine. Soup. But I'm really hungry. Soup won't be enough. Okay, okay. Lasagna. Italian? Yuck. Mexican, then. That's even worse than Italian. Chinese. Chinese? Seriously? Sweetheart, I really think you should pick the place, okay? I told you. I don't care where we- The new sushi place. That's supposed to be the- I don't eat anything with a face, Todd. Fine. French. No. Southern. No. Ethiopian. No. Russian. No. Canadian! Uh, whatever. I don't care. Just decide. I'm trying, Janine. What about... No. Then how about... Ew. Gross. Salad? Sushi? Shish kebab? You already said sushi. I know I already said sushi! You know what? Let's just stay in and eat, okay? We'll just fix something here to eat. How does that sound? Fine. Whatever. Let's heat up what we had last night. It was really good and it Leftovers. We're going to eat leftovers. You know what? I decided I'm not that hungry. You fix whatever you want. I'm not hungry either. Fine. Fine. Let's just... How about we pop some popcorn and watch a movie? Okay. That's a good idea. Great. I'll make the popcorn. Hey, which movie should we watch, hon? I don't care. You decide. Romantic comedy? No. Action? Mm-mm. Documentary? Horror? Animation? Foreign? Sci-fi? Porn? I told you. I'm a vegan. What the hell does that have to do with me? I said I don't care what movie we watch. Just pick one. How about a nice murder mystery? That's not funny. You're right. I'm sorry. Anyway, popcorn's done. Do you want butter? Oh, I don't care. You decide. 
funny. So damn true, so damn true. Been there, have you, Mr. Keynes? Uh, no comment. Oh, really? Yeah, under the advice of counsel, I uh, plead the fifth. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Five-star bit there again from the pen of our colleague in audio crime, Jeff Pollard, and featuring vocal gymnastics of uh, Erica Mighty and Mike Vaughn. Great fun, great fun. Little squirmy, but great fun. (laughs) Friends, we just can't ignore it sometimes. And uh, in this case, the uh, outright vulgarity of the timing of this thing is uh, certainly not lost on my tired eyes or the eyes and ears of millions of folks who are shaking their collective heads in disbelief. I'm talking, of course, about the shenanigans happening once again down in that area down there. Yes, Governor Ron the Sandslug is up to it again. And of late, I would have said, give him enough rope and he'll tie his own neck to the ceiling fan. But this, this, this one is kind of obscene. Now, you know the Maganoids have been all aflutter about what has been termed critical race theory. Now, that term, by the way, goes back to the 1970s. So where where have they been? Anyway, regardless of what you term it, these elements are indeed a part of this country's history and is necessary to expose the rather unpleasant truths about its origins and That means looking at ugly parts of our nation's history square in the beady little red eyes and saying, yup, you're as ugly as a roadkill sandwich, but I gotta look at you. So, Governor the Sandslug is on a quest to remove anything that offends him personally, and he's made a huge grandstand move here. By uh, banning books, uh, banning what a person thinks or feels with his woke act, and most recently, banning certain forms of school curriculum, specifically those forms that teach the historical relevancy of racism in this country. In particular, language in this bill states that if a person, quote, must feel guilt anguish, or other forms of psychological distress for their race or sex, then it's got to go straight into the dumpster. Well, you should hope to hell they feel something. Well, that's a damn point, isn't it? Yes, sir. And to make that point brilliantly is Ta-Nehisi Coates, an esteemed journalist and Howard University educator who said this about what education is supposed to be. The goal of education isn't to uh, tell you that, you know, the world is, is sunshine and rainbows. The goal is enlightenment. The goal is some deeper understanding of humanity. And that's what, you know, you, 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 you hopefully are trying to get across uh, to students. One would hope. Uh, Coates' book, Between the World and Me, is also under fire, but in Colorado, because of a passage that was read out of context in a very veiled attempt to outright ban this book from the school shelves. Obviously, you know, one of the big arguments of Between the World and Me is that race is a social fiction. So when we say white people will cease to exist, the idea is the category will too. And racially, the hope would be that black people would too. 
You know what I mean? Which is, you know, the case that the story makes. It does not mean that white people will be physically eradicated from the face of the earth. Hell, I mean, you can take a line out of any book and spin it like that. Context is critical, Mr. Keynes. A, a terrific example of that is, of course, the Bible. Passages in that book have been appropriated to support whatever claim is being made, and even if it's completely unrelated to the claim being made. And from this, we get to do the ever-so-rare-except-when-we-do-it segment within a segment because the governor's actions have started such a stinky dumpster fire that clearly it warrants a fire hose of truth. In this subsegment of... That lie. Yes, so, with all this uh, protestation from the Florida administrations, we have this little morsel. The African American Studies College Board said in a statement that the state's Department of Education, that would be the FDOE, quote, slandered its AP African American Studies course and accused the Sandslug administration of lying about its communications with the College Board. The College Board also disputed that it had diluted the course and made contemporary topics like Black Lives Matter and reparations optional only after the Florida governor said the class would be banned from being taught in Florida schools. Quoting the College Board, while it has been claimed that the College Board was in frequent dialogue with Florida about the content of AP African American Studies, this is a false and politically motivated charge. We had no negotiations about the content of this course with Florida or any other state, nor did we receive any requests, suggestions, or feedback. Yeah, the governor said, talk to the hand. Yeah, he might as well have said that, Mr. Keynes. Misinformation and outright lying about the process of this curriculum review. I wish I could say it was just an oversight, but it's not. I'd have to say it's more of a overreach. Well, yeah. And I'd say that the College Board also claimed that it repeatedly pushed the State Department of Education to detail specific feedback and concerns with the course to no avail. Quoting the board again, we have made the mistake of treating FDOE with the courtesy we always accord to an education agency, but they have instead exploited this courtesy for their political agenda. After each written or verbal exchange with them as a matter of professional protocol, we politely thank them for their feedback and contributions. Although, they had given none. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? If you could kindly change the curriculum to something like supremely white folk studies, we'll have no problems at all. Yeah, and if you could have a special unit on the glories of the Fuhrer, we'll see that you get an extra set of keys to the executive washroom. How about that? And by the way... Is it just me, but has anybody else wondered why Black History Month is relegated to the shortest month of the year? Just saying. So, Governor the Sand Slug is on a mission to purify the precious bodily fluids of our youth. 
uh, flushing out the evil in every nook and cranny in our institutions of learning. Why, take those dens of filth and debauchery, the elementary schools. Yes, one such deep hole of perversion and filth is Greenland Pines Elementary. Well, they were celebrating Literacy Week. And all the kids who successfully completed a book that was on the school's approved list were treated to a big celebration. Uh, One young gal, when asked uh, how she was enjoying the celebration, said, They took all the books out of the classrooms today. When asked which books, she said, All the books. One young chap had been reading Measuring Up, coming-of-age story about an immigrant to the United States from Taiwan. They even took that book, he said. Well, Florida has the second highest number of book bannings in the U.S., second only to Texas. Big surprise. So the really ugly part of this scenario, even uglier than uh, taking books away from kids who actually want to read them, is that in terms of this anti-black studies crusade, he chooses to make this despicable play during Black History Month. Not accidental. Oh, hell no. No, not at all. What's even more aggravating is that some of the uh, African-American studies courses that are being uh, shelved, or at least having their curriculum augmented, they're all elective courses. You have to sign up for them. They're not mandatory at all. They should be, but they're not. And even the ones that are able to withstand uh, the abridgment of their curriculum, they're going to be missing huge parts of contemporary history due to the perceptions of what might be. Well, here's Jonathan Cox, a sociologist and educator at uh, one of uh, Florida's largest universities. I try to bring in lots of different perspectives and encourage students to do so. So, I mean, like, for example, we talk about something like cultural appropriation. I might present one article, you know, that talks about it and saying, like, this is what it is. Here's why it's really negative. And another article that presents a completely different view. And then we'll talk about it in class. I don't want them to just uh, swallow stuff and actually tell them all the time. Like, like don't take what I'm saying just to be the, the, the pure 100 percent truth. Right. Like, go out and do some research on your own. I want you to be critical thinkers. And I also don't go in leading with my opinions. I very rarely, almost never share my own opinion, right? I'm much more interested in the thoughts and ideas that students are bringing with them. Yeah, there's that million dollar phrase, critical thinking. Holy carp, they hate that term. Florida is not alone, of course, in this campaign. There's dozens of states who have swallowed the blue pill. Yeah, swallowed it with the (laughs) Kool-Aid. Clearly, but the epicenter is still Florida. But uh, following up on Jonathan Cox's uh, teaching method, here's uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates again. I'm a teacher, too. I teach down at, at Howard University. I expose my kids to all sorts of things from all sorts of perspectives that I do not hold myself. There is no way in the world I could be a black writer and say, I will never read anybody that's racist. I'll never read anybody that's sexist. It just, it just you, you couldn't live. You couldn't practice your craft if you were like that. And even if you completely disagree with the person, How will you know what you disagree with if you don't read them? Exactly. How would you know if you don't read them? It's all fear, bro. I mean, think about it. That old saying about knowledge is power. Well, some of these cats would rather you don't have the knowledge and certainly not the power. You know what? Mr. Coates again. 
to echo your statement, Mr. Keynes. The history of this country in terms of these backlashes is that they generally come and are generally the most ferocious when um, the forces that would like to maintain the status quo are most afraid. You, you can't understand uh, redemption without understanding reconstruction and without understanding reconstruction as an actual threat. Uh, you can't understand the backlash that came after the civil rights movement without understanding how much certain people perceive the civil rights movement as an existential threat. If you look at the culture and you look at who's present and you look at who has the authority, you look at like, say a movie like Wakanda Forever that is on the verge of making a billion dollars. This matters because people look around and they see who is holding place. It was the same thing for Barack Obama. The idea that the uh, equivalent of American royalty was held by somebody who only generations ago, their very conception would have been illegal. This, you know, this disrupts the conception of what America is and it frightens people. And so you get backlash, you know what I mean? And so I actually take it as a sign of strength, you know what I mean, for where the movement is right now. But we always knew this was gonna happen. I mean, the expectation that, you know, the war would just be won and that would be it, you know, uh, it just, you know, was always fantasy. Can you smell that smell? It's fear, friends. And that, plus the pinwheel-eyed lunatic strategies of the politician in quest for the presidency. It's really disturbing. And as I say, to be uh, blowing the trumpet about this uh, anti-black studies crap during Black History Month is really above and beyond obscene to me. You know, the big truth here is he doesn't give a rat's nut about how the minds of students might be corrupted. He's a tail gunner Joe. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you brought him up, Mr. Keynes. You know, he, as we know, if you've listened to this show, yes, he's one of my favorite people in history who was a blazing example of karma in full effect. Senator Joe McCarthy. Yes, the mouthpiece for the red menace, the start of the horrendously damaging blacklisting period in the 1950s, where uh, countless people's lives were utterly destroyed. In a feudal chase, by the way, for an invisible menace, which was concocted as nothing more than a stunt to enable the furthering of his political career. All right, let's, let's wash off the Florida funk, shall we? And uh, enjoy a little palate cleanser here. Uh, that also fits very nicely into our kind disorder, but not really. Valentine's Day nod of a show. A piece written by Lawrence Overmeyer and read by Nancy McDonald. This one is called Fiber. We forget that air is a substance. We can't see it, but it's there. Connecting everything and everyone. With every breath I take you in, give back myself. We are in touch. No matter how far. The distance and illusion between that which is not and can not be separated. Nicely done there. A piece written by Lawrence Overmeyer and wonderfully read by Nancy McDonald. And you can find that and uh, many others inside a book written by Lawrence entitled The One Idea 
that saves the world. And in the audio edition of that book, you'll hear our handiwork on those pieces. A uh, link to it in the show notes as well. How about that? Yeah, that's a cool book. I actually read that one. Heaven forfend, Mr. Keynes. Say it isn't so. Yep, yep. And I liked it. You're very much correct. We should check on the freezing conditions in hell. <laughs> and with that, we'll call it a show, friends, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of the program. Rob Askew, Nancy McDonald, Erica Mighty, Lawrence Overmeyer, Jeff Pollard, Sarah Robertson, Mike Vaughn, and Derek Welch. Thanks as well to the Lord of Levels, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and so forth and so on over there. Pleasure as always. And uh, folks, you know the drill. If uh, you haven't already mashed the subscribe button, please do it. Join us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, free swag, and a whole lot more at patreon.com forward slash The Fusebox Show. We would uh, so appreciate that as uh, we appreciate you for pushing play on this humble program. I have been your card-carrying member of the Card-Carrying Members Club host, Mark Rose, saying until our next cartoon.